Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. 14 and 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. Drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. I want to preach tonight from this title. A grave mistake. A grave mistake. I wonder if you'd lift your hands right now and give God praise. He's going to talk to us. Come on, Revelation's coming into the room right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we give you honor and praise, Jesus. God, we avail and surrender ourselves completely to your spirit, Lord. What you would desire to do in this room tonight, God, that is our desire, Lord. God, our spirits mesh with your spirit. God, our will agrees with your will, Jesus, right now. Do something great and do something powerful. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We are living in an era of false news. In fact, there's people that are actually gainfully employed as fact checkers. Can you imagine that? They get paid to see if the news they just heard, the headlines they just read, is actually true. You know, that's important because false information always causes a false report to be formed. In 2010, reports of his tragic death due to a fatal accident went viral. This was actor Tom Cruise. Reports of his death as a result of plunging off the cliffs of New Zealand, they were widely circulated on the internet. This is George Clooney. Twitter reported that she had died in 2015 after being involved in a fatal car accident. With the accompanied fiery photo of the scene, this was Beyonce. Reports of his shooting death in 2016 completely broke the internet. And this was celebrity Brad Pitt. Of course, if you've been paying attention, every celebrity we just referenced in these reports, they're in fact very much alive today. And in our text, we have an incident of false news. In Acts chapter 14, it relates this interesting story to us. Paul and Barnabas, they're found preaching the gospel and having revival at Lystra. And there came a man who was crippled and he was listening to Paul preached. And Paul senses as he looks at this man that there was just something that was in his spirit. That, that miracle moment was happening and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in that miracle moment, Paul speaks the word of faith. And this crippled man, the scripture says, who had never walked before. He didn't have to learn it. It didn't take any time, but he was healed. And immediately, the Bible tells us, he began walking. Everyone was in awe of the miracle that was done. So much so that the people tried to make gods of Paul and Barnabas. They called Paul Hermes and they called Barnabas Zeus. The priests of Zeus' temples came and he gathered the people together and they tried to offer sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. But Paul and Barnabas, they don't accept this. They say, no, no, don't do that. We're just ordinary people just like you. 
But something's happened to us and we want to continue to preach Jesus. They introduced them to the living God who had made heaven and earth. They introduced them to the one who had brought them to this place in time right now. But all of this talk of miracles and all of this talk of Messiah, it really began to anger and it really began to upset the Jews and they gather a crowd to stone Paul. And we'll read it again from our text. It says, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, not even where they were preaching presently. And having persuaded the crowds, they began to talk with people. What he's giving you is heresy. This is not true. And it says they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city. Sounds like a terrible scene. They throw stones until Paul is bloodied, until he lie in the street lifeless. They drag him outside the city and they leave him there. I can see the headline now in the Jerusalem Post from Divinity to dead men. For those who had witnessed Paul's brutal stoning that day, there was no doubt in their mind that the Apostle Paul was dead. Most theologians think that when Paul was dragged out of the city that he was indeed dead because when they stoned folks back in those days, they didn't stop until the job was done. They didn't stop until they had achieved their objective, which was, of course, death. Whatever the case, they had done their best to kill Paul. But God had other ideas. You see, we need to understand tonight when God has other ideas, there is not a force in the world that is able to thwart his ideas. When God has ideas, there is no force in the world that is able to step in and stop him. There is no obstacle. There is no distraction. There's nothing in your life. There's nothing in my life that is able to keep God from doing what he desires to do. So Paul was stoned and left for dead outside the city, lying in the street. And then we move to verse 20. It says, how be it, as the disciples stood round about him. Can you imagine? They're having their own private funeral. As they stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas into Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel in that city and he had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium. Remember, this is where those angry people were from and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciple and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through tribulation enter the kingdom of God. God raises up Paul after the enemy thought he was dead. I believe there's a message for it in the church tonight. I believe there's something that we can take out of this tonight. It does it doesn't matter what you're feeling. It doesn't matter what your situation is right now. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're surrounded by dead things. I came to let you know tonight beyond any doubt. I came to declare that the power of God is still present in this room just like it was on that street outside Lystra. I came to let somebody know that God still does miracles. 
They stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city. We mentioned that and why. Well, let's explore a few different versions to establish our point at the onset here tonight. The Amplified says they did it thinking that he was dead. Another version says they thought that they had killed him. The New Century says believing that he was dead. The New English said presuming that he was dead. The Wycliffe says guessing that he was dead. But he was not dead dead. He was in fact very much alive. They assumed the wrong thing about Paul that day and can I tell somebody the enemy assumes the wrong thing about the church tonight. Yes we have been attacked. Yes we have fallen down. Yes we have been knocked out. Yes we have been bloodied. Yes we have been bruised. We've been injured. We've been wounded. But can I tell you things aren't finished yet. Though they drug us outside the city though the enemy has left us dead. I want somebody to realize in your spirit tonight that the power of God that raised Paul from the dead, it's still working in the church today. The enemy, he made a grave mistake. I got news for the enemy tonight. We're still breathing. Come on, anybody, any apostolics here that are still breathing? Any Pentecostals here that know what Jesus can do? Come on, we're still breathing. We're still kicking. We're still fighting. We're still biting. We're still very much alive. Think about it for a moment. With the lifetime of stones the enemy has thrown at you. With the lifetime of stones the enemy has thrown at me. With those stones that he's thrown at the church through the years. He hasn't managed to kill us yet. You know why? Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. The devil has made a grave mistake. He has made a grave calf, a huge mega error. He mistakenly assumes that he succeeded in killing us and that he simply left us for dead. Well, I believe that's a good thing for us tonight because we can take advantage of the enemy's wrong assumptions even in this room tonight. You see, well, the enemy thinks you're down for good. Well, the enemy thinks you're dead. We're going to get up. We're going to stand up. We're going to fuel up. We're going to get everything we can in our spirit, and we're going to get ready to have revival here in Fredericton. I came to let somebody know the church is not dead. The church is very much alive. The spirit that filled the church in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, it's still working here at 1 Downey Street in Fredericton. Can I tell somebody God? wants to do it in Fredericton. I don't want anybody to be confused. The enemy's agenda, it is not complicated. John 10 and 10 tells us the enemy has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But no, no, no. He, he has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly to the overflowing in excess. It's going to flow out of you and out of me. Jesus' reason for coming, I am so grateful it stands in direct opposition to the enemy's agenda. God's come that we could have life, and we're experiencing it in this room tonight. You see, I believe I'm preaching to some folks who have had some things die in your life. I don't have a doubt about it. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost right now. <laughs> 
And our God is about to breathe new life into some things that we thought were dead. Some things that in your own life you've left beside of the road and you've walked away from them and said, well, there must not be anything in it anymore. I came to dispute that report tonight. I came to tell you that God still has a plan. God still has a promise. When you can't trust the presence of God, you can always trust the promise of God. But Peter, I can't feel him tonight. Pastor Long, I can't sense his presence. Come on, if you would just walk in the promise of God. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. It doesn't matter what the emotions are. It doesn't matter what circumstances have surrounded you. God is still God. The enemy has tried to kill your prayer life. He's tried to kill your worship. He's tried to take away your faith. He's had to try to destroy your belief. He's tried to take away and, and, and put down your spirit and your family and your church. But the enemy has tried to kill you. But there's some survivors that are in the room tonight. From the very beginning of the Bible, the, it lets us know that our great God, it is he who breathes life into us. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the Ruach. And man became a living soul. The same God that breathed life in the very beginning of time. He continues in 2022 to breathe life into his people. To breathe life into his church. To breathe life into things that you thought were already dead. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 11, we have a story. It's an interesting story. It says in... When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal seed. You see, Ahaziah, he was killed on a state visit, and his mother Athaliah, she found out. And when she found out, she said, you know what, this is my chance to take the throne. And she began to kill all the royal seed and everything that was there, but Jehosheba, the daughter of the king of King Jerem and sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's son, which were slain. And they hid him, even in his nurse in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. And he was hid in her house, uh, in the, he was hid, excuse me, in the house of the Lord six years, and Athaliah did reign over the land. So this evil woman, she takes the throne as a self-appointed king. She takes advantage of this opportunity as her son has died and she begins to kill off everybody that is remaining. She thinks that she has killed off the last of the royal seed. Sadly, including her own grandsons. She thought that there was no more rightful heirs remaining. For six years, the enemy thought the royal seed was dead. For six years, the enemy was able to do anything that she wanted. For six years, she faced no opposition. For six years, she had no distraction. All the while, not knowing that Joash, the rightful heir, had been rescued away from this scene of slaughter by the carrying on. And Joash is on Jehosheba. She sensed that there was still life in the midst of death. It was a grisly scene with these bodies, these bloody bodies strewn everywhere. Little one-year-old Joash, 
As she put her ear to his chest, she found out that he still had a pulse. There was still life present. There was one sole survivor. And now six years removed from that fateful day, Joash, the king's seed, though not in the palace, he was growing. Well, where was he growing? He was being groomed for the throne while living out his life in the house of God. The enemy, the self-appointed queen, she thought that all the royal line was quashed out forever. But one day, the day comes when Joash is brought out of hiding. The day comes to let the enemy know that the enemy was wrong. Verse 11, the guards stood and every man with his weapon in his hands round about the king that they had unveiled from the right corner of the temple to the left corner of the temple all along the altar by the temple. And they brought forth the king's son and put a crown upon him and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, God save the king. And when Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and the people, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. She was bold before, but she still got nerve. I can tell you, I wouldn't have showed up for the coronation ceremony. Verse 14, it says, Athalia rent her clothes and began to cry, treason, treason. But by now, nobody listened to her. Nobody believed her. Nobody paid her any attention. They recognized who the real king was in Joash and they crowned him. It says in verse 16, and they laid hands on her and she went by the way, which was the way of the horses of the king's house. And there she was slain. So just the way it ought to be, the king is alive and the enemy is dead. The enemy's plan was thwarted. The enemy thought he had all the king's kids. The enemy thought that you were dead. The enemy thought that I was dead. But here we are on this October evening. We're still alive and kicking. God's about to do miracles and signs and wonders. There's a church that has woke up and realized that we've just been sleeping all along. The enemy is scared and he's running for his life. He's not going to show up for your coronation ceremony. hasata. <laughs> The enemy thought that you were dead, but we're here and we're alive. Are there any royals alive in the temple tonight? Come on, is there any royal seed that would lift up a hand and say, come on, I'm still here. I'm a survivor. I'm one that made it through. I was picked out of the rubble of life and God saved me. Can I tell you, just like Joash, you've been waiting in the temple. You've been growing there. You've been getting stronger there. You've just been biding your time waiting for your opportunity to mess up the enemy's plan. Just one more story tonight and I'll be through. It's one that you're very familiar with. Jesus had been falsely accused. Put on trial, he was wrongly convicted. 
He was sentenced, of course, to death by crucifixion, and he was tortured and cruelly crucified, and he died. Mark 15 and 37, it says, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. You can imagine the smile on the enemy's face. The enemy seems to have been effective in his plan. His plan seems to have worked as it was worked out in the very beginning. He has managed to kill Jesus. Those who knew him began to mourn. The body was taken down from the cross and Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. The tomb was sealed with a large stone and the enemy thinks that's it. It's all over. Now in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, an angel at the tomb of Jesus, he relates some surprising news to those coming to anoint his body. Luke 24 and 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, early in the morning, they come unto the sepulcher, bringing spices prepared that they might anoint him. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Surprise number one. And they entered in and found out the body of the Lord Jesus was not there. Surprise number two. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed about, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Surprise number three. We were expecting a dead Jesus, not you. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. What a shock to the enemy that must have been. He thought he had gotten rid of the king. He thought the royal seed was dead. The problem that he did not know that Jesus Christ specializes in the impossible. Jesus Christ does what he said he'd do. He said you kill this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The enemy thought Jesus was gone forever. He was dead. He's buried. That's all. It's over. Wrong. I can just imagine the scene that day as the women are at the tomb looking for Jesus. But the stone is rolled aside and Jesus was gone. At that moment, there's another scene that's taking shape in the bowels of the earth. Jesus walks into the halls of hell. Knock, 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 knock. Oh, surprise, you didn't expect to see me, did you? Well, I'm back and I'm your worst nightmare. What a thing it must have been for the enemy that day when Jesus knocked on his door and said, come on. You can't have dominion anymore. You don't have authority anymore. Would you give me the keys of death and hell and the grave? They don't belong to you anymore. Jesus has taken them and he has life for you tonight. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can you tell the enemy tonight? I believe you've got something that belongs to me. Come on, he thought you were dead. He thought you were gone. He thought all the royal seed had disappeared off the face of the earth. Not so. Jesus said in Revelation, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen, I have the keys of hell and of death. We can sing tonight that God's not dead. He's alive. 
I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. The enemy has some false thinking concerning you and concerning the church. Let's be honest about the enemy right now. He doesn't know all that he pretends to know. He really isn't all that bright. In fact, he's a little stupid. Somehow in the midst of all the chaos of our day, the enemy has gotten the impression that he thinks you're dead. He thinks you're finished. He thinks he is one. Well, wrong again. The Bible says that because he lives, we can live also. So I got a message for the enemy tonight. You thought we were gone. You thought we were done. You thought we were dead. You thought it was over. But in fact, we're still here. We're still standing. We're still praising. We're still dancing. We're still shouting. We're still very much alive. Let's all stand tonight. I want you to know that the devil, he has made a grave miscalculation as the musicians come. He underestimates our God. He underestimates God's authority. He underestimates God's dominion. He underestimates God's power. All power in heaven and earth, it belongs to our God. The Pentecostals of Katy, they sing a short song. It says, the devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He thought I would just give up and never dance again. And then it just simply says, but God. The enemy tried to kill Jesus, even mistakenly thought he was dead. But Jesus is alive, and he continues to do a great work in our lives here tonight. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were dead. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. This small two-word phrase, but God, you look it up, it appears 46 times in your Bible. And every time, the result is God. God changing a situation. God healing a life. God delivering an addict. God intervening in circumstances. God altering an outcome. God bringing light out of darkness. God doing miraculous things. God working miracles. But God. You see the enemy has assumed the outcome of your life tonight. But God is about to alter the ending. I told our church this morning, you feel like you're kind of right in the middle of the novel. You say, God, I don't understand why this chapter's being written this way. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand what's going on. Why is all this taking place in my life? 
but we fail to realize that it's God who writes the last chapter we're just in the middle of a book yeah there's some things going on in our life I was troubled but God I was fearful in all of this mess but God I was knocked out but God I have fallen down but God I was messed up but God I was on the wrong road but God I was stoned and I was left for dead but God I'm calling on some saints tonight is there anybody who would dare to stand up again is there anybody that would dare to say I've been left by the side of the road long enough I've been in this comatose state long enough I can't take it anymore you've got something better for me is there anyone who would dare to come out of hiding in the temple reveal yourself to the enemy and say I'm still here in fact I've been here all the time when you thought I was dead I was here when you thought I was gone I was here when you saw me bleeding I was here when it didn't look good I was here I'm still here come on there's some survivors in the room I believe there's some people that are ready to take your place in the kingdom of God the devil he thought he had us the devil he thought it was over but God says no 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 I'm ready to breathe new life back into what was dead I'm ready to put the Ruach back just as I did in the very beginning of creation I'm going to breathe some things back to life chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel God gives Ezekiel sort of a out of body experience if you will it says he set him down in the middle of a valley that was full of bones it says there was many that were there they were dry there was no hope of life and God asked a question of Ezekiel he says can these bones live Ezekiel's response was much like ours God, I'm in the middle of a valley of dry bones. I can't see a whole lot of good here. They've been here a long time. Hope departed long ago. Can these bones live? You know, God. You see, sometimes we just have to trust it in His hands. God, I can't see any life where I am. It doesn't make sense to me. But you know, God. Sickness has taken hold of bodies and you can't understand why we're in the midst of this sickness. God, I don't understand. I got questions. I don't know if life can come back, but you know, God. God, my my family's lost they've been away from God I, I'm kind of starting to lose hope that they're ever going to come back but you know God and you know that I'm a guest here tonight I don't know what's happening in your life but God does and this is a moment right now when he can take care of everything that you've been praying about 
everything that you've been wondering about. When you ask God to show up and he doesn't always show up just like you think he should, he's here right now to breathe new life into you. But you have to dare to have the faith that Ezekiel had in the middle of that mess of dry bones that says, God, I don't understand. But you know. And right now, I'm going to move out into the altar. I'm going to do what you desire me to do. I know that you're going to meet me there. I know you're going to do great things. Would you begin to talk to God right now? God, I pray, Jesus, everything, God, that seems like it's been stoned and drugged to the side of the road and left for dead, Lord, I pray, God, you would tell the enemy that they're very much alive, God, that it's very much in the works, God, there's something in the process right now. So whatever your need is tonight, whether it be sickness, whether you need deliverance, whether you need some family saved, if you just want to intercede on behalf of your city of Fredericton, I'm going to ask that you would move out of your seat and begin to move to the altar because faith is active in the altar right now. The presence of God is active in the altar right now. Come on, somebody say, dare to, I don't know, but you know, God. I don't understand, but you know, God. <laughs> 